Hello and welcome to Drink 4 Dot Dot Dot, the podcast that combines a lifelong film infatuation with an overarching love of drink. An interactive journey that encourages the incorrigible while providing an intoxicating alternative to a night out. Think Netflix and chill without the chill, perhaps without the Netflix, and definitely without the sex. Who knows, maybe we'll learn something along the way, or at the very least, have a bit of immature fun. Hello everyone, I of course am your host Jordan Brooks, with a lot of chill this week, as I'm sick, so perhaps I should have uh, been less lazy and rewritten that intro, but I didn't, because I'm on my honeymoon, and you go fuck yourself. Which brings me to... Air horns, please. <laughs> DJ Shabby Chic. Yeah. With me in the studio. DJ, tell them what you got going on. Uh, well, I'm now married to you. That's uh, it's a step back, really, isn't it? Well, I didn't want to say anything, but... Well, don't let know. anyone say you're not nice. <laughs> no, so that's the main thing i got going on at the moment. But in terms of my own work is what I think you're really asking me. Yeah. Yeah, I want you to plug your shit. A plug, okay. So I do a radio show in the UK on Transmission FM, which is the Roundhouse's radio station called T1 Presents with three other lovely boys. And you can find us at t.1.collective without the final E. It is a talk and music podcast thing situation. Oh, very nice, very Mm -hmm. nice. Mm -hmm. And this week I have strong-armed you uh, being that you're now half mine. Whoa. Well, I'm half yours. Yeah. You know, hashtag uh, feminism. <laughs> yeah. So, this week, I have strong-armed you into watching horror, as Aww. it is the best month of all time. Uh, yeah, all good I was, things happen in October. I was reluctant. I uh, am reluctant. I'm still reluctant. Well. To engage in this month. You'll have to anyway. We are going to watch... Rusty Cundeef and Darren Scott's Tales from the Hood 2, which is on Netflix, a reprisal from the 1995 film that uh, they both made and was phenomenal. I've not seen the original. The original is great, starring Clarence Williams III uh, as a sort of a funeral director. uh, Great anthology film. Uh, And this one promises... To be somewhat as good, it probably won't be. Uh, very few sequels this far apart are ever great, but I I do have high hopes for it. I do love a good horror anthology, and so we'll see what's up. Did Spike Lee produce the original and this one? I I know it's he did this one. I'm not sure if he did the the first one, so we'll see. Maybe this one will be, will have some extra woke points. Maybe. We'll it's, see. It's good to have woke points. It is, it is. Given that we're we're now dangerously close to ending this decade. My God, what a scary thing. Mm, it is. So, with no further ado, save one, we must get into the drinking rules. Oh, yeah. And before the drinking rules, we must get into Sad Man Scenarios with Lobeja. Um, hi, it's uh, Lobeja here again with another Sad Man Scenario with Lobeja. I finally took the 13 coffee mugs out of my room, 12 of them had mould, but I tripped on my dirty laundry and some of the mould fell on me, uh, so that's that, uh, thank you, uh, please subscribe and comment, I think we should look at last week's comments where I asked if the wall is the best place to wipe your cum after masturbating, um, and again, uh, no comments, um, 
Thank you, and it's uh, been Sad Man Scenario for the Bajo. Um, bye. My goodness. Yeah. Uh, oh, wow. It, it is good wow. to... It's good to clean up. Mm. It's good to start fresh. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you get a little mold on yourself. You uh, do your laundry, I guess. Yeah. I mean, what you know what they say, a little mold never hurt anyone. No. And, it, and it's and what the... makes booze. Yes, it sort is. Of. Yes, well, it sort isn't. Of, well, but... no. Okay. <clears throat> And, uh, you know, in, invest in some tissues. Let's let's give this guy some comments. So remember to comment. Please. He needs them. He does. And that leads us very unceremoniously into our drinking game rules for this week. I only have two for you because I'm sick and I don't care. I don't care. Uh, this should be enough. We're going to drink for tracking shots. We're going to mm. drink any time the camera moves laterally on a track. We are going to drink for purposefully offensive persons who, in their construction, make it much easier for us as an audience to watch them die horribly. That's an interesting thing in horror in general, and especially in anthology horror films. You see that a lot. They have to tell a really quick story, and to see a stranger die is kind of hard, so makes it a lot better when that person is a piece of shit. Mm. So, with all that taken care of, do you uh, have anything else to say? Yes. Uh, I am a little afraid I'm going to be afraid of this. <laughs> well, if you are, you can uh, you can suck it up. Okay. That's all. This episode of Drink 4 dot 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 is brought to you by Jorgensen's Halloweenathon Oktoberfest 2019. Follow along as Dr. C explores the horrifying world of spooky films while drinking alongside. Will every rule involve drinking? Certainly not. But that's not the fucking point. Go to https colon double backslash letterboxd.com slash jorgensen slash list slash halloween dash o dash thon dash oktoberfest dash 2019 backslash good luck finding it and goodbye welcome back from tales from the hood to rusty cunleaf and darren scott's reimagining of the 1995 classic uh, what did you think of that, Zoe? What, what were your, uh, I know you haven't seen the first one, but... Uh, no. Did you enjoy that at all? Yeah, I enjoyed it. I thought it got a little bit murky sometimes with what it was trying to say. But, um, yeah, had some good, good ideas rolling around, I thought. What did you think? It was, yeah, I, I have to agree with that. Uh, the original's pretty stunning, yeah, how does I, it compare to the original? I suppose the original is based off of the... I don't know if Stephen King wrote all of the original tales from the crypt. But he certainly wrote uh, at least a segment. He might have directed a segment, and he is in one of the segments from the original tales from the crypt. Um, and this is, I suppose, one... In the long legacy of of those films, but um, these are really interesting because unlike a lot of other horror uh, stuff that you might immediately hate or might immediate, I suppose hates a, the wrong word for you, but where a lot of people would be immediately turned off from horror or 
think to themselves that they might be too terrified of a certain type of situation or be unable to sleep. This and films like these are morality horror films wherein if you think justly and act justly, you're relatively safe mm. from the crowd. Yeah. Or, I, not from the crowd. You're relatively safe from the the horrors that uh, I suppose await you wherever they await you. In this case, it's uh, several different scenarios in which people get terribly murdered by something and, and uh, as an audience member, you sort of applaud it. Um, oh yeah, a few of them. I was very happy that they were brutally killed. Yeah, I think I think that's one of the that's certainly one of the more easily defined and readily available aspects of a lot of horror films and a lot of filmmaking in general, wherein to please an audience and to assure an audience that bad things aren't happening to good people, perhaps a, a hangover from the Hayes Code. Bad things can only happen to bad people. And so in the beginning here, it's called like Robo Hell is, is the surrounding anthology story where Keith David is hired by uh, Dumbass Beach to uh, impregnate his robot soldier police officer with moral stories to help guide that robot's further hurting of, of people that are quote-unquote bad for America. And immediately in that, dumbass, I mean, he's called dumbass, is just like such an immediate piece of shit. Mm. Like, like straight off the, straight out of the gate, he's just hideous, isn't he? He's like, everything. He's, he he's is, just awful in every single way. He's a, an eloquent, what do we want to call him? Agent Orange, probably? Agent Orange, number 45? Yeah, he's an eloquent version of that. And, uh, you know, needless to say, a despicable piece of shit. Mm. So that that's the first one. And then you get going into the first story, which is called Good Golly, about a white girl and her black friend traveling through some part of the world where she's trying to collect gollywogs to, I don't know, makes her happy because it's part of her childhood. Mm. And like a lot of younger people who didn't live through, or even did live through, a lot of people unaware of the struggles of another group of people throughout history doesn't understand the weight of maybe some of the things that uh, she's into and decides to start collecting these racist artifacts and decides to do so uh, via theft. And the historian proprietor of this museum of racist iconography gives her and her friend the history of everything that's in there, refuses to sell her the doll that she's after, uh, and sends her off. And so she breaks back in with her brother and her friend again, and they uh, meet their end, let's say, at yeah. the hands of a, a really scary Sesame Street character. He was so scary. <laughs> I think this one was actually my favorite. It was a good one. It was I really well I think it was well my written. favorite. Because it was really tight. Because it also, like, not only sort of showed the ignorance and permeation of, com you know, complete ignorance of these icons that are racist, like the the Gollywogs, but also, like, the culpability in 
younger black people of not understanding their legacy and their history. Mm. That's kind of what I guess it was going for with the black friend who like presents herself to be like whipped and you know that's a theme that continues through it though is is culpability cul- cul- culpability yeah I, I i absolutely agree so lou Beatty jr is basically the ghost of wokeness past present and future and he's trying to explain to this white woman and i suppose ancillary uh, her her black friend he's i guess he's he's trying to explain the legacy of slavery and its after effects and its continued after effects Mm -hmm. where he over and over again makes references to the fact that every time she says yeah you know we're not like that anymore Mm. he's very quick to say aren't we this is certainly for somebody i don't know necessarily who it's for it's got to be for I guess people. Well, the whole thing or just this particular. This particular one, we 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 might as well dissect them individually. Yeah, cause because they're all they, quite they different. Are di- directed by different uh, directors, so this one I'm not a hundred percent sure who it's for. Given that it is a horror film, and it's on Netflix, it's it is probably for for people who who look a lot like me, and so maybe they're hoping to help educate people on not necessarily the history of this particular moment but more generally of trying to understand the history of everything that you enjoy Mm. um i don't know if you read it but there was a a piece on the those stripy white gloves that all cartoon characters really wear like mickey mouse has those you know how he's a black mouse, but he's got those white gloves with the three lines on the back, mm. and Goofy and blah blah blah. Donald Duck has them too. Um, those all sort of stemmed from minstrelsy. Mm. I think Vox did a YouTube video on it as well. Um, yeah, and it's and it's just these little pervasive bits of pop culture where we don't understand how deeply embedded racism is in the culture. And it doesn't necessarily mean that if you like Donald Duck, you're racist. Like there, there is something to be said, however, of understanding your culture and your past so that you can move to the present. And that's a theme that definitely carries through the rest of this film. Yeah. Where the very casual relationship that youngsters in any and I I have to extrapolate this back. Um, you know, our parents' parents were really mad at them when they started experimenting with rock and roll music and pot. Uh, I bet our parents' parents' parents were really mad at them when they started drinking whiskey again and dancing to the Charleston. Um, the casual relationship with which youngsters in any generation grapple with their own history or their past mm-hmm. is always going to rub the older people in the wrong way because how can you possibly understand the struggles of those who came before you 
having not done it yourself. Well, you can't, yeah. Not completely, anyway. And then you have, in this character, um, this, this, let's say, ghost of wokeness uh, present, you have the fear that the youngsters in a generation will forget everything that you went through to put them where they are. And you see this in the last survivors of the Holocaust passing away, the last slaves passing away, the last civil rights activists passing away. It's going to continue to happen uh, when, when, uh, you know, our grandkids will eventually watch the last Me Tooer die. And we're going to say, you know how, you know, women feel safe to walk down the street. Like, that's all because of yeah. her. So there, there is this constant play in Tales from the Hood 2, and, and it does start off very early here, wherein an older generation is very disappointed with a younger generation for not understanding history. Um, and uh, I, I suppose deeming them as ungrateful. Uh, which we are, and uh, of course we're going to be ungrateful. Every everyone who who can't directly experience something horrible is going to be ungrateful for that horrible thing. Although I do think with the 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 friend who's black in this story, a lot of it is to do with peer pressure. Like you can see, mm-hmm. a lot of it is bowing to her friends, and may, and maybe she does understand her history. Or understand the history of what the guy's talking about a little bit better than she lets on because of she's a teenager and hmm. you know what I mean. I I do agree, um, but no, I, I believe I believe she was written as the like peer pressurable friend. Yeah. In the story, not because she's the no, black no. friend, but because that's just how the story needed to be written. No, no, that's I wasn't saying um, that. No, sorry. Um, I'm just saying this probably more. It's more complicated than than just like a young person not understanding their history. There's like, other things at play, like socially. Yes, you're undoubtedly right. Um, with everything, there will always of course be many sides to every problem issue discussion everything and so you're absolutely correct i i I think i'm i'm going more basically than that Mm. beyond that to where i believe that the only way that i can pay the struggles of my ancestors my my uh my mom always tells me a story of my uh my pap walking around town it was a poor steel worker collecting cans on his like every time off he would uh, go and collect cans destroy you know his knees were destroyed from crawling around in mines in the factory in in uh you know his whole life and he would walk around in his retirement collecting cans to put me through college and i don't have college debt because of that but i don't understand that sacrifice and i can never live up to that sacrifice. I can only sort of pay it forward. And he was doing it to make my life easier. And so I suppose the only way so many of us can pay the debt 
forward is to make sure the next generation has it easier than us. Which in itself is easier said than done. But, you know, there's, uh, there's always going to be a generational interplay where old people who have a lot of experience are going to be pissed off at a younger generation that thinks they know everything. Mm. And, uh, you know, that's going to continue forever. Yeah, of course. And, you know, of course, now we realize that the older generation might have a lot of experience, but they might have also based quite a lot of their experience on these sort of false narratives that they were fed by the media, by the people who created, in this case, gollywogs and minstrelsy and uh, the image of black people in America or of women or of anything else. Do you think, because we know that... That when you become older, you're like you will be pissed off at the younger generation because you believe they're taking things for granted. Because we know that now, do you think we'll be less likely to fall into that trap of bitterness when we're old? Mm, I think, or maybe it'll be. Something I think there's else. something quite instinctual about the bitterness felt for younger kids because I maybe. still, I still see younger kids on the internet because I do know that they use it, and I see you. You're not listening, so it doesn't matter. But. Um, I definitely see the younger generation and it, even in that, um, you know, to, to feed the, uh, the, the baby birds listening, a uh, little, a little bit of knowledge worms here. Uh, <laughs> yeah, Who is listening to this? He's uh, a baby bird. Oh, oh, George, George is a baby bird. Alex, my man, he's, he's a baby bird for my knowledge. Uh, Labeja will listen because he has to. Oh no. I thought you meant like young people who listen to this oh no 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 they're my, they're my, my disciples are called uh, baby birds oh and sorry they're also not disciples they're smarter than me and they just take pity on me okay so um what uh, were we talking about again i forgot i lost it i yeah oh, no it was about under- cold is killing me uh it was about understanding oh yes yeah so when i watch a film i talk out loud uh mocking the characters i see on screen because that's I don't know. That's that's how I live. That's how fucking, you engage with what you're don't watching. Fucking judge me. Just, and yeah. yeah, so even during that, I wanted to be like, why don't these girls know about minstrelsy? Like, why don't? Mm. Like, why the fuck are they? They're like wandering through. Like, oh, I just really like this character yeah, who's understand. pitch black with red lit. Like, fuck like, you. What the fuck are you all. talking about? Yeah. And, and just sort of like the stupidity of it, which one, yes, of course they do have to be written to be stupid to, for the plot, which aims to teach people who might not know about minstrelsy, but two, it also shows an instinctual urge, and maybe that's in me, uh, to want to be angry at people for not knowing things. And I know that even though I can recognize that I will be a bitter old person at some point, I will still be angry at the the younger generation for not knowing stuff that my generation knows. But why, though? Because you know why they don't understand. Because they're young. I know. It, but it'll still anger me. But why? Because I want to be angry. I don't know. I think old people like to be angry. I really don't know. Maybe this is just this kind of shows what kind of old people we're both going to be. Yeah, maybe you won't give a shit. But, like, I don't know too many old people who don't give a shit. I know a few. Fair enough. Mm. Yeah, anyway. All old people I know 
want to take me aside and give me an opinion on something. That's a real strong opinion. <laughs> Be like, do you know what I think about this? Ah, uh, no, I don't want to. Thank I you. I actually though. really don't want to know what you think Thank about you, it. Thank you, though. It's real nice of you, but uh, no. Yeah. Uh, moving swiftly. Sorry. Yeah. yeah. We went on a mad tangent. Oh there. boy. It's fine because some of the the middle ones were real bad. The medium, which is the next one, was weird. About yeah, that was, it was a, weird. It wasn't a. Yeah. But it was it was weirdly placed thematically. I mean, what was? Yeah, I don't. What really, was the point of it? I don't exactly? really know what that was. Was uh, it supposed to be like a comic interlude? Very possibly. That's what I kind of read it as. Like it's just this sort of silly. Yeah. Where um, I, I suppose to to inform. Yeah, it's not George, really an informed. Yeah, to inform George, Alex, Ian, and LaBeja, Brian Bat plays a television psychic. He's really good, actually, in this. Um, Kills it. Oh, you know what? That's not even how it starts. Nope. Yeah, God damn it! It starts with, with Fast and the Furious 11, <laughs> where a group of bad boys are beating up an ex-pimp turned uh, good social worker man really I didn't yeah even he's, get that. he's turned I, I don't he's know why they were turned up. his unless he was lying before like so it's a group of dudes beating up a dude in a garage a real nice empty garage and they're like where's the money at and he's like i'm using it to pay for black kids to go to college and they're like i only look out for me man and they beat him to death and then he starts making like jokes right before they die hmm. and he like makes a huge yo mama joke and when no one's paying attention, he makes fun of one of the guys who goes to San Quentin, who kills, who just one punches him to death. And then it cuts immediately to Brian Bat playing, oh man, John Edwards. Just a John Edwards type, who I don't think you know John Or Edwards. for the um, UK listeners, Derek Acora. Nice. I'm so happy you have a John Edwards. Oh, so, yeah. um, you know I guess, pe yeah, people are just looking for something all over. And they, one of the boys sees him on television uh, and decides to kidnap him and make him channel the dead guy in order to get his money. It's really silly. It's, and it's, then, it's yeah. really silly. And I suppose once they do get him, they get a, a bunch of different uh, characters. Who the... The gang is a gang, are they? Yeah, they're some sort of a gang. They're, they're a loose affiliation of boys who, like, who like yeah. doing hoodlum stuff together. And so... <laughs> who they've murdered in the past. He's channeling people who they've murdered yeah, in the past. Yeah. Uh, but now that you... Sorry. No, yeah, on. but then um, in the end, like, I don't... Like, you never really go back to, like, the whole helping children thing. Like, he just sort of... They channel the guy who dies, and then he becomes very powerful. I mean, and is it, it... And it sort of goes from there, but, like, why? What is the, is the idea that if you're only out for yourself, there'll be consequences? And somehow, yeah, you, live, and somehow you live on if you give back to the community? Yeah, it's like a... Is that the idea? I don't know. There's, like, That's a version of selfishness um, that exists here. I don't, I don't really know why it exists. The one thing I do want to know is that do you think, and I'm not sure who directed this this one, um, because it was it was only done by uh, Cundiff and Scott, and I'm not sure which one directed this segment. But I, I want to know. Think it might know. have been Scott. Could have been. 
Uh, why? Because it was one of the bad ones. <laughs> no, because because um, I just read them at the end. Oh, look at you! <laughs> I'm an English lady who can read. Uh, I want to know whether or not they told what they told Brian uh, Bat to act like when he was inhabiting the spirits. Oh my god! Because he did put on a, an accent there. And he certainly I thought it was uh, inhabited a body language that we never saw from the original character who is just sitting down and wearing a suit. So for him to sort of have that uh, very distinct, let's say, Cat Williams limp as he went onto the stage or... Uh, the way he was speaking towards the end was not really how the character in the chair was talking. Uh, and, and one wonders whether the directors Did they just him, ask him to act they black? They were like, act black? Yeah. And then he did it? Maybe. I, 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 I don't know. Yeah. And uh, I'm going to leave that up to nobody to decide. That was the only thing I thought about that one. I mean, there's, myself. A, there's a couple of people in the world who know the answer to that. There are. I don't care what it is, because this is not really worth thinking about that much. Swiftly on to date night. Mm. The toxic masculinity chapter of this uh, dark, dark book. Uh, where in a group of bros. Two bros. Uh, not a yeah, group. Sorry, sorry, you're right. A pair of bros. Clever. So, two dudes driving in a car talking about how fun it is to lie to women and how dumb women are drive to uh, the house of two hotties who then decide that on date night it is best to play cards against humanity and drink martinis which hint can i I request that when we have a house can we call it the house of two hotties yeah okay great yeah so uh we won't though because we're millennials so we'll never have a house oh yeah sorry Um, We'll have um, a room a in a shared house. We'll have a pop-up store that oh, fails really store. quickly. Okay. And it can be called House of Two Hotties. Okay, correct. Because it won't, it won't matter. Okay. They play Cards Against Humanity, drink martinis, and then even though everything's going really well for these two guys, yeah. right? Yeah. Like everyone's flirting, everyone's real close. We're having a good time. They still. And we're still drinking. The uh, uh, bro one decides to sprinkle some powders in the ladies' drinks. And give them to the ladies, and then they all drink them. Bring the ladies uh, who are now asleep upstairs, after and then into a strange cam girl uh, a room that is becurtained all around, and all of a sudden the girls are in their pants and uh, underpants for uh, Americans listening, and then they videotape them only to see that only the pants are showing up on the iPhone. So no body. So, so you can uh, you can look back deep in your own uh, in your own mind for lore in which a person might be invisible. When? And our two bros meet an end that mm. uh, that might not be one of the more fun ends. But uh, yeah, the only thing that really made me think of was just how this particular film was constructing uh, reprehensibility for its audience. It, it, it really, I mean, it knows it's on Netflix and it, and it wants to be watched. 
by as many people as possible. So it's picking the low-hanging fruit of like bad people. These are extremely cut and dry situations. They're not morally ambiguous by any means. They like these guys didn't have sex with two drunk girls. They got the girls drunk and then drugged them. And then when they were asleep, did more things to prove again that they were in there to make sure that they were asleep to do even worse things. So this 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 doesn't even have yeah. the wherewithal or the the moral fortitude to to show a moral gray area and speak up for it. It has to show the broy audience that like no, no no they didn't just get them drunk and do something they got them drunk and drugged them and then they they weren't also drunk themselves they were awake and then they decided to film them and do some weird stuff. Mm. So, the only thing that showed to me was sort of how how bad they had to make everyone in order to kill them. Because people weren't just sort of bad. Mm. They weren't just like, well, you fucked that up a little bit, you're dead now. Yeah, it was like, you are um, the scum of the earth. Yeah. Um, I thought the use of Cards Against Humanity was interesting. Because I think it also sort of appeals to the audience... That you're talking about it's like oh look it, like a game that I recognise and a game that's sort of silly and mm-hmm. like you know oh I can be naughty ooh, naughty but like it was weird as a choice for that kind of scenario but it was obviously to pander to a certain yeah demographic and also show because it was interesting because the point of the game is, is to co- create the most shock and the two like boys answers were the most shocking so was it supposed to be setting up that these boys yeah. were more bad yeah i i you know what I, mean? I um when i saw their answers i thought it was supposed to for me it was like how fucking pedestrian they were oh. like just how like again like low-hanging fruit that that's sort of been my uh my go-to phrase recently low-hanging fruit but like the the like oh yeah I'm gonna put a sexual answer here like, oh my oh, god man oh. if I if I talk about dick parts women are gonna know oh, yeah. that I know about oh, dick parts and you know what dick yeah. parts go oh, into oh yeah don't know where fucking oh. non dick parts oh no way oh yeah great so yeah it, uh, it, to me that was just how stupid uh, the boys were but uh, coat hanger abortion it's a win- winning card to be it fair. was interesting to see a branded piece of content in there I wonder if um. Yeah. I wonder if one of them contributes to the Cards Against Humanity because I know those those must have contributors. And like, I would love to know why that was in there. It was so because there was a shot at the front yeah. of the box. Also, they played it wrong. Fucking cowards. Mm-hmm. Okay. Anyway. Uh, yeah, there are better cards. Sushi Go. Play some Sushi Go. Gang, gang. Sponsor. Drink. Uh, Please. Drink some hot toddies. I'll tell you what, that's a fucking date night. It's got my drink force seal approval. Dot, dot, dot. The last, sort of, uh, one was the saddest one. And I almost cried during this one because mm. it was a little bit too heavy. Uh, it feels disrespectful to talk a lot about this one. This was an interesting one. Uh, wherein it starts with... Uh, the arrest of Emmett Till and a white woman wakes up in bed who's pregnant and 
turns to her black husband and says... In present day. In present day. And says, it happened again. Oh, I'll call the doctor tomorrow, honey. Don't worry about it. Turns out the man is a black Republican helping a Colonel Sandersy governor. Who's literally called Cotton. Oh, that's funny. Did you not notice that? I kind was of. really focused on his mustache. I knew there was something called Cotton. He, he did look, uh, yeah. Um, but yeah, he was literally Colonel Sanders. And he's helping him run for governor. And his wife is having struggles with his pregnancy. And the whole thing is really intercut with the uh, kidnapping, torture, and murder of Emmett Till. And that, that, that one ended very ambiguously that one ends very strangely it's extremely powerful and it's extremely potent uh visuals but the narrative itself i think Mm. peters where he's asked to continue the sacrifice of a lot of uh reincarnated individuals who stand in his lawn and the only thing i got from that was this sort of idea that we can't move on as a, I would say, a country, but it, it really is a worldwide globe, problem, yeah, isn't it? Um, until we reconcile with the past, but we also can't reconcile with the past because it's way scarier and way more horrifying than yeah. a horror film. That's what I was going to say. It's like the real horror has already occurred and it's real and, it and it's real to. and it's real yeah like what black people in america specifically in this film it's focusing on had to face is the true horror of the film in general and, and it's not only it's not only the true horror of the film it is something that is so incomprehensibly terrifying that when we hear about it we can't grapple with it there will always be a mixture when confronting a horrific past. Uh, We both know that the Holocaust was terrible. We both know that slavery and the legacy of racism in America is terrible. I don't know what to do about it. I know that there are currently thousands of Mexican children in a building somewhere in America. I'm not going there right now. I'm sitting comfortably in my house in Pennsylvania. Mm. There are probably plenty of of both slaves and sex slaves around the world. A lot. I uh, am not donating to those charities. I'm not reading up on it. I'm not spreading the word. Mm. There are horrors going on right now that rival these horrors. Mm. And yet modern society and modern people cannot deal with them. I don't think it's just modern people. It's anyone. Mm. And I'm, I'm just using modern as a, as a time yeah. word here. It, it, no, no generation can really deal with a lot of the horror that goes on but and I, has gone on. But I think that's kind of like now that's to do with distance mm. and feeling a distance. I don't. No? I think it's literally because it's a helplessness. Once once badness gets to a certain level, it becomes mm. an unmitigated force that you are powerless against. Mm. I cannot fight the U.S. government's 
workers who are guarding. I can't go and fight ICE agents to try to help children. Most people are talking about raiding Area 51 and nobody decided to plan a raid of these facilities in which we're, we're currently holding children in absolute squalor. Yeah, but I do think there's there's distance puts a mental block between I think so. I think well, that's, I think that's to do, it, it does, but it. I think we're putting distance there. Yeah, sure. Because you're from the UK uh-huh. and you're here with me in Pittsburgh. Uh-huh. And those Mexican kids, there's definitely some that are closer to us right now than than you are to me in London. But I'm not talking about geographical distance. Necessarily. About what just what kind of distance are you talking about? There? Like social just difference. Humanity and social Human difference. Human difference, yeah. But I mean that's always that's always uh, been what separates us, right? Yeah, I know. I'm not arguing with you. Oh, okay. I thought you were talking about physical distance. Well that's part of it too, but yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it could it could be a lot of that. I think I think I think that creates horror though as well. Yeah, I'm not saying it doesn't. It creates fear. It creates a sense of the other. Yeah, I agree. Okay, yeah. So what we're saying is we're not fighting. You just came up and tried to challenge me in my house. And I screwed up. So yeah, this this last one was a lot. It was a lot to handle. Yeah, it was. And I'm not sure why it was there. I'm going to think about it for a long time and maybe that's why it was there. Mm Mm-hmm. And there's that. So, after... I was going to say my smart thing for the evening. Yeah, go for it. Uh, My smart thing was the character who's the Black Republican. Well, what I was going to link it to was uh, W.B. Du Bois's idea that black people inhabit two selves, the the American, like the American dream and the American citizen and then being black. Like, he's that to a T. Really, like he's being asked to choose between, you know, his blackness and also what he believes to do to like profit and promote himself, which is like in some people's minds the American dream. It's, oh, called, the, it's called double identity. Yeah, that's what I thought about it. Yes, uh, an absolutely brilliant point. And if I knew more about uh, Du Bois's work. I'd be able to engage you on it. I cannot. Mm-mm. But you so see what I mean. You must stand intellectually alone on this one. Yes. And I will. Yeah. But then, maybe like... This is why we need a phone number so people can call in. This is why we, this needs to be live so people can call in. Yeah. And uh, intellectually one-up you. Yeah. Oh, if we got that Uber driver we had... Oh, he would mansplain it to me, I'm he sure. He would mansplain the shit out of Dubois to you. Shout out Lamar Pittsburgh Uber. Boom. Lamar. I know how fucking PayPal spam works. Fuck you, boy. Lamar, you're the man. Oh my god. I love that shit. That was great. Yeah, he could benefit from his own little anthology. It's a spooky story. Mm-hmm. Uh, a few female customers who were smart. Oh my. Teach him a lesson. Oh dear. <laughs> uh, yeah, this was not supposed to shame him. I think we should. We should really... We should really believe his name uh, I mean how many Lamars do you think are driving Ubers in Pittsburgh there's like six Ubers here why do we have to believe his name fuck you Lamar don't mansplain fair enough <laughs> I can. don't want to I don't want to end the man's career Uber might just fire him just because Uber sucks like you know it's an unfeeling 
uh, thing. Should should the man lose his job because he mansplained, or should somebody we explain can... to him why mansplaining is bad? You can delete this, but it's fine. No, this is a good discussion. This is all good stuff. All right. Leaving you with the uh, intellectual high ground, I will take the uh, low ground and say that it was fucking rad to watch uh, Dumbass, and in the end they call him Dumbass Beach. Really funny. That's really Uh, funny. Die, because you know he's going to die the whole time. Mm -hmm. It's really great to watch him die. Mm -hmm. I wish they had a higher budget to show him uh, dying in a little bit better of a way than he did. Uh, they spent it all on whipping the organs out of a white man. I know, in, I didn't uh, even know that. An introductory thing. We were just discussing if that could actually happen. I guess it could happen you know, if you did you, it enough. If you let Mel Gibson direct a Jesus Christ biopic, you're going to get some organs out of somebody. <clears throat> and on that gratuitous and very Christian note. Goodbye.